receive or the more mature we get in our relationship with him when we start realizing that we could just call upon him at any given moment we're going to do that before we text or before we call let's talk to him and in this morning we always say that we need to prepare our hearts guess what let's prepare our hearts this morning lord i want to hear your voice i want you to hear my supplication i want you to hear what i have in my heart that maybe i can't even tell people and he's gonna hear us amen so let's do that this morning all of us together and remember he inclines his ear he tunes everybody out have you ever talked to somebody and you think they're listening to you but they're not really listening to you and you know they're not listening to you but you're like still talking and they're not really paying attention guess what our God he's paying attention amen and he's listening to you so this morning remember that he's inclined his ear to you I love the Lord and I will call upon him all the days of my life amen father I thank you Lord this morning we thank you Jesus that we could come here my God we thank you Lord that you could hear us right now oh Lord you hear us oh God you're just not hearing me because I'm on a mic Lord you're hearing every single thought of every single person that's here oh Lord you are paying attention to everything oh Lord we thank you, my God, because that is the God that we have come to serve, oh God. You are the only God, oh Lord, that says that he inclines his ear. You're that big, oh God, and you are that humble that you hear us, Father. Even when we fail, oh Lord, you still listen, oh God. We prepare our hearts this morning, my God. We ask, oh Lord, that you cleanse us, oh Lord. Cleanse us, Father God. Wash us with your blood once again, O oh Lord. Your word says, Father, that your mercies are new every single morning. So this morning, it's a clean slate that we could raise our hands to you during worship, O oh God, and know, O oh Lord, that as long as we ask you to forgive us, Father God, our sins are forgiven, Father God, from as far as east is to west, O oh Lord, and you don't remember them, O oh God. So we thank you, Lord, for the ability, Father God, to be here, O oh God, and call upon you, O oh Lord. We dedicate this service to you, O oh Lord. We know that your Holy Spirit is here. We know that chains will be broken in your name, O oh God. Yes, and we believe and we know that when we leave these doors, O oh God, we will not be the same. We love you. We praise you because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, we will call upon you all the days of our lives because you hear us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Who's ready to praise our God this morning? Feel free to dance, to clap, to sing, to shout unto your God. Because like Maggie says, our God is here. His ear is inclined to hear us. And he's here with us in our midst. And how many know there is nothing too impossible for our God to do? So today as we stand in the house of God this morning, we're going to call to the God of the impossible, the God who was, is, and is to come, the mighty King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the universe, our Father that is in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Father in heaven, where our sins are saved, where our lives are restored, where our minds are renewed, where family members come home, where chains are broken, where the blood of Jesus, Father God, has sanctified. And that is one name, Jesus. So today we cry out the name of Jesus in this house. We lift up the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father God, we know that every battle that you have come into, Father God, you have won. And like we sang, Father God, there is not one mark on you, only the mark of victory, Father God, that you defeated on that cross 2,000 years ago. Father God, we come before you in this house knowing that you are the God of the impossible. Father God, that the dreams that we had that you gave us, Father God, are not dead, but that you, Father God, gave them to us so they will be revived, Father God. So today as we stand in this house, O oh Lord, we cry out to that Father, that God, that Savior, the blood of Jesus, O oh Lord, that right now, Father God, every chain that has held us back, O oh Lord, every weight, Father God, that has been put on us, O oh God, right now in the name of Jesus be broken, O oh God, that we might be free to walk in the things and the plans that you have for us, Father God, the words, Father God, that were spoken over, Father God. Right now we break them in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, because we, you have said that those who you have called are free, O oh Lord, and you have freed us indeed, O oh God. My God, my King, do the work in this house this morning, O oh Lord, for we are not here in vain or for religious service. We are here to lift up your name, Father God. Fill us with your spirit, my King. Fill us with your word, my God, that we might proclaim your truth to all generations, my Lord. Church of God, you have gathered today for a reason, and the reason is to lift up the name of Jesus. The reason that you have come into this house is to break the chains that have bound you. The reason that you have walked into a church is because there is a truth, there is a hope, there is a king, there is a Lord, there is a savior, there is a healer, there is a redeemer. He is the one that starts things new. Today is your new beginning. So lift up the name of Jesus where you're at and say, my God, my savior, I have come that you, my Lord, might do the work in my life. Father God, we're here for you, oh God. Many times we stand here asking for things. Why not ask God for the impossible, for the one to come home that has been in sin, for that family member that you think will never get saved, for that son or daughter that you think is impossible for him to come back, for a mind to be healed, for a heart to be renewed, for forgiveness to come into your heart, for your marriage to be healed. What is the impossibility? And stop asking God for the things of this earth and start looking up to the heavens and say, God, what do you want to do on this earth and use me to do it? Use me to do it, my King. Not by my might, but by your power, by your spirit, by your will, oh God. Father God, we stand here just like David, just like Gideon, just like Mary, Father God. Just like all those in the Bible, Father God. Moses. Father God, that we thought it's impossible, O oh Lord. Why me, O oh God? But we're standing here saying, Lord, do what you've done in the past, O oh God. And what you've done in the past is that you have overcome your enemy. You have blown our minds with your great power, my King. So today, Father God, we're standing here asking you, do the impossible. Do the impossible, Father God. Break chains, open eyes, open ears, Father God. Change hearts, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name.
that things seem impossible or too hard or that it's never going to happen but there was a Roman soldier in the Bible that said Lord you're saying these things and I hear them but I just just help my unbelief and I don't know if that is you this morning but if that is you our God says that he can and he will so as we stand in this house can you lift up your hands to the heavens and despite what you think despite what you've been told despite what the world might say, despite what the boss says, what the economy says, what the government says, despite all that, all that is garbage because God's word is true. God's word is life. So instead of repeating what they are saying, can you bring God's word into your situation and into your life and say, my God, you said that you, my God, will be my provider. You said that you will make a way in the desert. You said that you're going to open, Father God, the seas, Father God, that you're going to part the ways that you, my King, you said that we are not of this world, that our provision comes from you. You have said, my God, that when the hearts are hardened, oh Lord, you turn them into a heart of flesh, my God. You have said that your spirit will fall upon me and that I will hear a voice telling me where to go. You said that, my God, not me. God is here. God is real. God is a God of hope. He is not a God of confusion. So if you're confused, look up to the heaven and say, God, what is your truth? And make it yours. Can we one more time declare that the God of exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or think is able to do what you think you cannot happen? Declare it one more time this morning. God of exceedingly abundantly I'm asking you father God for a grape oh God but I know that you want to give me an ocean I'm asking God for healing but I know that you're giving me restoration I'm asking God Lord for forgiveness but you I know you're gonna fill me with love anything that you think God has it one up so declare this morning God of exceedingly God of exceedingly God of
word through who you are. Father God, make way, Father God, through the waters, Father God, let your people, Lord, you said we would not be put to shame, those who put their hope, their trust, and their faith in you, O oh Lord. So, Father God, as we are here this morning and you continue speaking into our lives, O oh Lord, may your name, Father God, be resounding great upon this land for what you will do in each and every single person that is here, O oh God. That lives will be restored, that families will be saved father God that those who are lost will be brought home eyes would be opened ears would open that we might be able to hear your voice oh Lord and proclaim your goodness Lord that your spirit would fall on all flesh father God just like you promised oh God in Joel 2 that that mighty army father God will rise take over oh God and use us to do it Lord not because we can but because you are great oh God we exalt your name in this house. We glorify your name because there is no other. In your precious and holy name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Welcome to Spring of Life Fellowship once again. For those watching online, we welcome you to the house of God once again. We are excited for what God is doing in, in this place. We know that as soon as we walk into these doors, the Bible says that he pours out his spirit, he pours out his blessing and eternal life in this place. Why? Because it's spring of life? No, it says where the people of God are gathered, that's where God is and that is where he pours out living waters, he pours out blessing, he pours out eternal life. So welcome to the house of God and welcome to the presence of God this morning our God is great and if it's your first time visiting us or watching online we want to say welcome to this family welcome to this house we always say it here in this mornings in every service that we have a chance to say it this is not just a place to gather this is not just a place to come and occupy our Sunday mornings this is a family because there is a father in this house and his name is God Almighty. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he gave his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and for me. And the Bible says that that blood that came and washes us, it, it gives us a blood transfusion, I like to call it. And uh, it, it makes us children of God when we cry out to that Savior, when we say, Lord, we need a Savior, we need God, we need you. The Bible says that that blood transforms us and it makes us children of God. And if you've done the same prayer, that means that we're brothers and sisters in Christ and that makes us family. So welcome to our family. If you are not part of his family, we want to invite you to become part of his family this morning. All you need to do is cry out to Jesus. The Bible says, call upon me and I will hear you. Like Maggie was saying this morning, our God is true and he is faithful and he is just and he is here. Amen. We want to remind you of a couple of things that are taking place in the house of God. The first thing we want to remind you of is that next Friday, this Friday coming up in five days, six days, end of this week, we will be having a baptism class. Um, for those of you that want to get baptized that have been asking about baptism, there will be a baptism class on Friday night. I believe it's at 730. Um, they will tell you what baptism is about. A lot of times people will say, well, I was baptized when I was a baby. I was baptized in another church. Well, what is baptism and what are you talking about? I've never seen an adult getting baptized. Well, that is why you come on Friday night to find out. The Bible says, believe and be baptized. Um, so you come and it's a first step of obedience in the, that the Bible calls us to after we become Christians, after we get saved. So if you want to know more about baptism and you want to find out why be baptized or what are you talking about, Yvette, you sound crazy, well, 
Come on Friday night and you'll be able to find out. Um, the baptism class will take place on this Friday, which um, is coming up in just a couple of days. And then on Sunday, a week from today, we will actually have the baptisms at 4.30. So if you want some more information about that or you want to leave your name, we ask you to please leave your name in the um, bookstore today after service and let them know that you want to get baptized. Again, the classes will be done on Friday. They will be done on Friday, and I do not believe they will be done on Sunday again. So make sure that if you want to get baptized and you have any questions, come on Friday night, and um, you'll be able to take the baptism classes, and then on Sunday you will be get, getting baptized. We do not baptize you if you haven't taken the class because we want to know what you're doing. Um, we don't just want you to do some religious act. We want you to know exactly what the Bible says about getting baptized and what it is so you make a decision based on conviction and not out of a religious service so make sure you come on friday night if you want to get baptized um again friday night at 7 30 will be the classes and then on sunday we will have uh, the baptism at 4 30 the church is invited to attend um you could that will let you know that day where the baptisms will be amen and also i mentioned it on wednesday um i want to mention it again today because maybe you didn't hear on wednesday there is on tuesday night something spectacular tuesday morning something spectacular that happens here every tuesday for the past it used to be Monday, so I guess for the past 24 and a half years, um, every Monday or every Tuesday now, um, there's a group of people that gather here and they clean the church. Um, I don't know if you know that every time you come on Wednesdays, the house of God is clean. And on, when you come on Sundays, the house of God is clean. And it's not a service that we um, pay that to come in. It's actually people from the church that want to do this and want to volunteer. In fact, we've actually said, look, let's just hire a service. And they're like, no, we want to clean the house of God. So on Tuesday morning... If you want to come and join that, that group, they come in every mor Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. You could come in, and there will be a group of people. There's never too many people. This place is pretty big, um, and it gets a little bit dirty. <laughs> so make sure if you want to be a part of that. They're asking. They do need help. I'm not saying it just to say it. They do need help on, sun on Tuesday mornings at 9. You could come and start helping clean out the church. Um, what you do in secret, God explodes um, from the mountaintops and a lot of people like I said on Wednesday like to stand up here They like to talk to sing. They like people to see them doing stuff That is something that is done like in secret Nobody knows who comes not because of anything It just happens to be something that people don't see so on Saturday nights Also the youth also come and clean and a lot of people do not know that that the church on Sunday is clean Not because of cleaning service It's because the church the youth stay here and they clean um, and it's incredible when they don't know how to pick up a broom at home, but yet they pick one up here. You know, it's, it's a miraculous thing that takes place on Saturday nights. Um, I was in shock the first time I saw my children do it. And I was like, wow, God does miracles. So um, it's a credible thing. You could actually come and see it. You'll, you'll like say, wow, God is real if you ever had a doubt. But yes, yeah, Saturday nights. Um, the youth clean this place, and they do a great job. Um, and again, that's something that nobody knows, that the kids that do it, it's not all of them. There's a specific ministry to clean the church. And you know what I saw this Friday, which, like, blew my mind? Friday nights has a cleaning crew. Little munchkins on Friday night, the elementary and the middle school, have a cleaning crew that after they finish in the cafeteria, those little kids that are six, seven years old are throwing out the garbage. They're making sure the chairs are pushed in, and they're learning from a young age that the greatest is those who serve. Um, so it's just, it blew my mind. I thought that was incredible that from, even from a young age, 
Um, they're learning how to serve in the house of God, not with a microphone in their hand, not speaking in public, but serving the, the true humble heart of a servant. Um, and, and that to me is mind blowing. So make sure that you, if you want to, don't let the kids take over. I mean, they're going to blow you away. They're going to do greater things than you. If you don't come on Tuesdays, you know, come on. So anyways, Tuesdays, the adults are here cleaning at nine o'clock in the morning. Make sure you're part of it. If you want to be blessed, you'll be more blessed than the people that are getting the, the house of God cleaned. So on Tuesdays, they're cleaning. So make sure you come and be a part of what God is doing don't get caught doing nothing. God is coming back soon for those who are in the middle of the work. So make sure that you're doing that. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. God is faithful and continues to um, perfect that which is addressed by his spirit in our lives. And so um, we just got back from being in Mexico, uh, we were there celebrating their 25th anniversary. Uh, I'm going to allow Pastor Medieros to come up here and, and share a little bit about what that experience was. There was a couple of us that flew over there with Pastor Richie. Um, this work began 25 years ago. It's founded upon the testimony of uh, Pastor Mediero and his wife. Uh, those of you that don't know uh, what God has done in, the, in their lives, um, just a, a miraculous transformation and restoration of a marriage gone wild and destroyed by sin, by adultery, and how God came in uh, like he always does to save and, and to restore and to renew. And so um, I'm going to ask his wife to come forward. She's a lot better looking than him. Um, when, when we were instrumental in helping them uh, come, you know, the Lord, he showed up at, at one of our Bible studies and he told me, I left my wife after 10 years of marriage. I have a little daughter. Uh, I chased a skirt. I chased a woman out of my house and, and kicked my wife out. And we got divorced for five years and all hell broke loose. And I lost my fortune and I lost my honor and I lost my dignity. I lost my business. He's an accountant. He had two shoe stores at a, at a restaurant, and the devil took it all because the devil plays for keeps. He doesn't allow you to sin a little bit. He's going to drag you through the coals and pull you all the way down to hell. So, so very uh, supernatural how they came to faith in Christ and began to become obedient. The obedience is the oxygen of the Christian if you're obedient, you stay alive in the things of God. If you stop obedience, you die, you suffocate. And so in their obedience, God was able to restore all things. Uh, now they've been in ministry for 25 years there in Mexico. They went back. Uh, thousands upon thousands of families were restored, watching their restoration and following their example. Um, and so they became pastors in the work down there. Uh, their daughter married our youth pastor here in Miami. Pastor Palma, there he is, um, and he gave them four beautiful grandchildren, four, four beautiful uh, granddaughters, and so they're living a dream. Why? Because that's what God promised to do, and God promises to make all things new and, and to restore and to renew, and use, like he, he tells me often, if you would have told me that God was going to restore us at this level, I would have killed you for making fun of me, because uh, I never thought it possible. But when you put your life, and, and that's just what I tell people that come in here all the time. I, sometimes people come to this church with like a mess. And I say, look, the only thing I know 
that if you put your mess into God's hands, he's able to untangle it and fix it and renew it. I don't know how he does it, but he does. So that, that is our hope and that's our, our testimony in this place. But we spent um, five incredible days down there with the church and celebrating. They took a big hit during COVID. Uh, it was really hard during the, the pandemic, um, but they're back up on, you know, and they continue the work. And what we celebrated, watch this, what did we celebrate? The faithfulness of God. You know, that God was, has done something miraculous down there. Um, they, as of two and a half, three years ago, they felt um, a calling to come here to Miami uh, to, to help with the work here as we continue to um, go to other nations and then man the fort and also they're close to their granddaughter. So let's, let's receive them with a warm welcome and we thank God for their lives. Amen. Amen. Muy buenos días. Good morning. Good, 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 good. Quisiera decirles algo un poquitito diferente hoy. I want to share something different with you guys today. Cuando yo conocí a Bishop Molina, que fue una noche de, de abril del 96. When I met Bishop Molina, which was on a night in April 1996. Y, y yo, yo llego por primera vez buscando un abogado y me doy cuenta que hay un pastor abogado. And I show up looking for a past, uh, uh, an attorney and I y, y end veo, up running into an attorney who's a pastor. Y veo como él agarra la Biblia y con toda naturalidad comparte uno de los capítulos más difíciles de la Biblia que es Deuteronomio 28. And I see how he took the Bible and with an incredible ease or, or ability he shared a very difficult chapter in the Bible which is Deuteronomy 28. Que tiene 14 bendiciones y 53 maldiciones. A chapter that has 14 curses. 14 blessings and 53 curses. And I was able to see that the 53 curses were all upon my life. That was a divine appointment between God and myself that Porque day. Pudo haber compartido la samaritana, la mujer virtuosa, Because he could cosa. have shared about so many verses in the Bible. Pero ese día él compartió de la iniquidad con la que nosotros actuamos cuando no conocemos a Dios. But that day he shared about the iniquity that we live in when we don't know God. Y esa iniquidad, tener 53 maldiciones, somos unos campeones, ¿verdad? And in, in that iniquity, if you have 53 curses over your life, you're a champion of iniquity. Pero era un joven de, de 27 años. Yo tenía 37, 38 años en ese entonces. But he was a young man, 27 years old. I was 37 at the time. Y, y cuando me dijo, mira, yo quisiera orar por ti, yo le dije, mira, yo no puedo orar porque soy católico. Soy mexicano y católico. He said, a Dios. he said, look, I would like to pray for you. And my response was, well, I can't pray with you because I'm Catholic and Mexican. He said, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic. God died for the Catholics, for the Christians, for the Buddhists, for everyone. But since you don't want to pray, I'll pray. Recibo a Cristo. I receive Christ. Me quedo en Estados Unidos. I stay in the United States. Gano todas las cosas legales que tenía. I win all of my legal battles. Y cuando finalmente me voy a volver a casar. And when I decide that I want to get remarried. Ahí viene de nuevo el Pastor Molina. There comes Pastor Molina again. Ven acá a casa y yo te voy a dar un regalo. Come here, I want to give you a gift. 
tú llegaste acá suicida, un loco, y tú ahora lo que tienes que hacer es hablar a tu esposa. Yo salí ese día con la cabeza agarrada acá, mira. He told me, look, you showed up here and you were suicidal and your life was a mess and, you, and the Lord restored you. What you need to do is go back and uh, be restored with your wife. ¿Cuántos nos ponemos bravos cuando dicen, no, nene? And I got upset, but how many of us get upset when they tell us we can't do something? Y hacemos perretas y todo, ¿verdad? We do our, we, we, we throw tantrums. Y esa noche Dios me habló y me dijo, obedece. And that night the Lord spoke to me and said, obey. No razónalo, no piénsalo, no medítalo, obedece. Don't reason, don't think about it, don't question it, obey. Le hablo a mi esposa, me, me acepta a mi esposa a grandes rasgos, nos reconciliamos, viene para acá, nos regresamos para México. I called my wife, we were restored, she came to the United States, we returned to Mexico. Te lo voy a volver a decir. And I'm going to tell you again. Cuando tú no tienes billete, no tienes amigos. When you don't have money, you don't have friends. No te hagas al loco. Don't pretend Yo tengo like life amigos. is different. Tú no tienes nada cuando no tienes billete. El billete viene cuando tienes cuando tú tienes billete, tú tienes muchos amigos. You don't have any friends, friends when you don't have money. Así que como no había billete, no habían amigos. And because I didn't have any money, I didn't have any friends to help me. Y Dios le habla a Ceci y le dice el terreno que iba a ser para tu casa conságralo para una iglesia and the Lord spoke to my wife and said the land that you were gonna the property that you had give it to the Lord for the church entonces yo, yo hago un pacto con Dios so I make a covenant with God de lo que tú me des of whatever you give me el 90% yo lo voy a poner en la obra I'm gonna put 90% into the work of the Lord yo voy a vivir con el diezmo and I'm gonna live off the tithe yo voy a vivir con el diez I'm going to live with 10% of what you give me por eso cuando llega la gente dice wow y esto that's why when people show up they say wow what is this es Dios it's God es Dios it's God no es el hombre. It's not man. No es un atributo de hombre. It's not an attribute of man. Es Dios. It's God. Dios es fiel. God is faithful. Para siempre. Always. Para siempre. Forever. Ese no era un mensaje de prosperidad. It's not a prosperity message. Ese no es un mensaje de Dale todo y Dios te va a dar cien veces más. It's not a message that says give God everything and He's going to give you a hundredfold. A cada quien Dios le va a hablar diferente. God will speak to everyone differently. A mí me mandó a darlo todo. God called me to give everything. Y se invirtió todo. And everything was invested. Y veinticinco años después. And twenty-five years later. Cuando todo ya está listo. When everything's ready. Cuando todo está ya casa paga, edificio pago. Todo listo, dice, ahora déjalo todo y vete a Miami. When the house is paid, the building's paid, when everything's ready, the Lord says, leave it all and come to Miami. A mí no me trajo acá el Pastor Molina. Pastor Molina did not bring me here. No me trajo acá Papitín. Papitín did not bring me here. Me trajo acá el Espíritu Santo. The Holy Spirit brought me here. Y al principio yo no quería venir para que lo sepas además. And by the way, I didn't want to come in the beginning. Porque estaba yo muy cómodo allá. Because I was comfortable over there. Tengo mi privado. Tengo privado. I have a private office. Tengo mis carros. I have my cars. Tengo casa. I have my home. Tengo todo. I have everything. Déjalo todo y larga hasta Miami. Leave it all and come to Miami. Literalmente así fue. It was literally like that. Por eso la gente cuando llega a México dice, uy, ¿por qué lo dejaste todo? Y dije, no sé. 
And that's why when people come to Mérida, they say to Mexico, they say, "Why did you leave all this?" And I say, "I don't know." The Lord Pero told este me. Viaje, que los años, But this trip, which was our 25th year anniversary, bien, bien was very special. Dios se glorificó aún en medio de la pandemia y de todo el tiempo que estos muchachos han estado solos allá. God glorified Himself through the pandemic, the time of the pandemic, in the people that were there. De verdad que la gente está haciendo lo mismo que se le enseñó. The truth is that people are living out what they were told. Familias recon familia reconciliándose. Families are being restored. Jóvenes obedeciendo a sus padres. Young people or youth obeying their parents. Terminando carreras universitarias. Finishing, uh, completing their university uh, studies. Buscando buenos trabajos. Getting good jobs. Rompiendo, son primeros que se gradúan en las familias. Son primeros generaciones universitarias. Many of them or all of them are first generation college graduates. Porque de verdad que Dios me mandó al desamparado, al que no tiene, a eso nos mandó a predicarle. Because the Lord sent us to preach to those who were lacking. Quiero terminar con esto. And I want to finish with this. Lo que quedó en México es real. What what remains in Mexico is real. Este domingo llegaron casi 250 personas a la iglesia. This Sunday almost 250 people showed up to church. Déjame un aplauso para el Señor. Déjame darte la proporción. Let me give you the proportions. 250 personas en México equivalen a una iglesia de 2,500 aquí. 250 people in Mexico is like a 2,500 member church here. ¿Por qué? Why? Porque la gente es de corazón bien duro. Because people there have a very hard heart. Y no importa los beneficios que tengan, no, por, por cualquier cosa se van, se ofenden, se buscan, un relajo. And no matter how much they've been blessed, they find any excuse to leave. Pero Dios está haciendo una obra grande ahí. But God is doing a great work there. No estamos viendo números. We're not looking at numbers. Pero estamos tratando de que la gente que está ahí que permanezca y que alcance todo su propósito. But we're trying, we are working so that the people that are there would remain and obtain or fulfill Así their calling. Yo te dejo con esto. And so I leave you with this. Uno. Number one, busca cuál es el propósito por el cual Dios te llamó. Seek why, the purpose for which God called you. Y dos, and number two, se los acabo de decir ahora en oración para la alabanza. I just told the people uh, right before worship started. No importa si Dios te pasa por un desierto, ahí it, va a abrir calzada y va a abrir pozos de agua para que tú no perezcas. It doesn't matter if God takes you to a desert. God is going to cause water to spring forth in the desert. Amén. Dios les bendiga, iglesia. Amen. God bless you, church. De verdad que es un gozo poder celebrar 25 años de México. It's truly a joy to be able to celebrate 25 years in Mexico. Y ver que tienen el mismo ADN de nuestra iglesia acá. And see that they have the same DNA that we have here. Eh, los pastores que están allá en, en, con la obra en sus hombros. The pastors that are carrying on with the work in Mexico. Aman a Dios sobre todas las cosas. Love God above all else. Sus hijos están dando testimonio. Their children are giving testimony. Ahora sí podemos decir que por sus frutos los conoceréis. Giving a good testimony and we can say that by their fruits you will know them. Son dos familias. There are two families. Los que están en Mérida. In Mérida. Y una familia que está en Guanajuato. And one family that's in León, Guanajuato. Y todos ellos han mostrado gratitud al Señor. And they've all, all of them have shown gratitude towards the Lord. Y durante 25 años han sido fiel. And over 25 years they've been faithful. Pero Dios ha impartido su fidelidad en ellos. And God has poured out His faithfulness in them. Tienen mucha fe. 
They have a lot of faith. Tienen mucho amor por la obra de Dios. They have a lot of love for the work of the Lord. Y de verdad que no puedo estar más agradecida con Dios por ver sus vidas. And I can't be more grateful to the Lord for seeing their lives. Nunca en mi vida pensé que 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 nuestro testimonio fuera a tener tanto impacto. Never in my life did I think that our testimony would have such a big impact. Hasta que entendí que era Cristo a través de nosotros que hace la obra. Until I understood that it was Christ in us that does the work. Entonces el mensaje que yo les quiero dejar es que dejen que Dios haga la obra en ustedes. So the message I want to leave you with is to allow y, God to do the work in you. Y van a impactar muchas vidas. And you're going to impact many lives. Y lo único que podemos hacer es, Señor, hazlo en mí. The only thing we can do is say, Lord, do it in me. Que sea exaltado Cristo. May Christ be exalted. Nuestra mamá espiritual Clarita siempre nos decía, levanta a Cristo y él te va a levantar. Our spiritual mother Clarita would always say, if you raise up Christ, he'll raise you up. Y yo creo que eso es lo que Dios ha permitido en nuestras vidas. And Hemos think, levantado a Cristo. And I think that's what God has allowed in our life. We've lifted up Christ. A él es toda la gloria y la honra. And to Amen. him be all the glory and the honor. Por cierto, ayer cumplimos 25 años que nos volvimos a casar. Oh, and by the way, yesterday we celebrated 25 years of being remarried. Buscamos los mismos testigos de 25 años atrás. Y la misma juez y los mismos testigos que firmaron. We found the same judge and the same witnesses y la jueza that married decía, us the first time. Otra vez. <laughs> and they came back and said, you're going to do this again? Pero esta vez va a ser firme porque está en el Señor. But this time it will be till the end because we're with the Lord. Super good. Let's go ahead and watch this small clip. It's a video with some of the pictures um, when they went back to Mexico. Um, that's what a lot of people don't know. Um, after he came to the Lord, he was here uh, starting to learn about Jesus. And there was a, a woman also learning about Jesus and they wanted to get married. And, and I said, listen, let, let's let's try and find out what God wants and that's where the reconciliation started and uh, they went back to Mexico they had like five ten people gather with them uh, at their home and the group began to grow uh, over the years and now it's a wonderful work um, untold thousands upon thousands of families uh, were able to come and and be introduced to Christ and be restored and um, there's a remnant of families that continue on with uh, the vision of Spring of Life there in Mexico. Let's go ahead and watch this.
one man. Um, the resource of God is a man. Wherever there is something that is lacking, wherever there's something that is not following uh, prosperity, blessing, peace, and joy, is because a man, and when we're talking about a man, we're talking about mankind. When a person is not doing what God has called them to do, the world suffers. And if everyone gets connected to the Lord, uh, every corner of heaven um, is channeled here upon the earth to fill the earth with God's glory. Um, there are people upon the earth that are going through a tremendous time of suffering, uh, the likes of which we probably can't even uh, understand. Um, there was several families about, I think it was about 10 days ago, about two weeks ago now, that uh, were vacationing there in Boca Chica, I think it was Labor Day weekend, and there was an accident, and uh, in the accident, uh, after a great day of vacationing and relaxation, um, they were coming home and their boat hit one of these markers out there in the middle of the water at 6.30 at night. And everybody that was on this boat, a 29-foot boat, went flying overboard. Um, 14 people that were on that boat, they all were launched out of the boat. Um, and one of the passengers was a 17-year-old girl and she passed away. She died on the accident. And obviously this represents a travesty to the boat owner, the person that was driving, the families that were on vacation, relaxing here, starting a new school year. I believe she was going to be a senior at the high school. And she passed away and this caused so much heartache and suffering at levels that we could not understand. Um, it becomes a, a, in one second, life becomes a nightmare. So I wasn't sure, um, but I had heard the name of the boat owner and, and he happens to be a friend. Um, and I didn't think it was him when I read his name at the first instant, but upon a couple days going by and then I, I researched a little bit and found out that it happened to be a friend, um, I called him and I left the message. I said, we're praying for you, and I know you're going through a very difficult time now, and I just want to tell you that uh, surround yourself with people that know God. When you're going through troubles, you don't want to be surrounded by the wrong group of people. So a couple of hours went by, and, and he reached out and called me again, and he's still broken at levels that, you know, he's still... Sorrowful, and in a time of this valley of darkness and uncertainty, that's where we come in as the church and let him know, let me pray for you so that God surrounds you with his mercies. How many know that God knows how to surround and keep us in a refuge? Um, and we prayed together. And I said, oh, help us, the church here in Miami, um, accompany you through this process because God is able to restore. In fact, 
the same weekend that this occurred, our church was launching a video called Restored. And when you put a family in crisis and in hurt and in suffering that doesn't understand what restoration is, when they hear the song Restored, um, and I said, I'm going to send you a song that our church just, our youth group at our church just wrote a song talking about how God can restore all things. And it, it's perfect because sometimes when the world is in the prosperity of pleasure, they don't understand our devotion. Why do these people gather as a church? Why do they worship? Why do they seek God? Nobody's doing that. Well, guess what? When, when trials come your way, there's no better place upon the earth than to be embraced by the presence of God. And so I told him, surround yourself by broken people that have been restored by God. And I sent him the song, Restored. Let's watch this song real quickly. Um, it's a blessing for such a time as this, um, that we can reach out to those people in every expression of life. Because out there, outside of Christ, a lot of people are experiencing nightmares at levels that um, the devil takes advantage and, and he, um, he infects us with sorrow, with grief, with depression, with suicide, with all manner of things that, that God does not want us to walk in. God has come that we might have life and have it abundantly, that we might have peace, unspeakable, that surpasses all understanding and joy inexpressible. Let's watch this video very quickly. Amen. This new song is called Restored. And the basis of the song is that we are celebrating what God has done in our lives. How he showed up that one day where we were desperate, with no hope. We showed up through those doors or whoever it may have been. It may have been at someone's house. It may have been a friend of yours that was Christian and knew who Jesus was and shared with you the amazing story of what he did on that cross. How he died for you and how today you've been restored and set free in every area of your life. And this new song that we're singing, who better to give a new song than the one who made everything new in our lives. His word says that you are a new creation all things have passed away your past sins are gone they've been erased that's what his word says this is not something pretty to say it's the truth and today we stand as a church believing in that i walked in through those doors with my family i can testify of what i've seen in god do in my life he's been good we walked in and when i was eight years old we walked in through those church and through those doors and at that moment, we were experiencing a tragedy. My parents and my oldest brother passed away in a car accident. You don't prepare for that. Actually, a lot of trials you don't prepare for. But yet God, in his graciousness and his love, has been carrying us all the way through. And when we came to church, we fell in love with Jesus. We fell in love with him and he began to change our hearts and our lives. And I thank God, I thank God that my brother 
chose to take me and my sister to church and bring us to the truth because that's what set us free. We never, not one day, you can ask all of us, my entire family, not one day have we experienced depression. That's God. Not one day have we been anxious in our heart, wondering what's gonna happen tomorrow. He's been our provider. He's been our father. And I know that that's not just me. I know that everyone in here can testify, saying, you know what? God's my father too, Mel. I've seen him move in my life. I've seen him do the impossible. I've seen him set me free from addictions. I've seen him set me free from everything that was holding me down. I've seen him move and break sin in my life. I've seen him restore my marriage. I've seen him do it. And I know that he'll continue doing it. Amen. So it's not about circumstance. Remember that. It's not about what you're facing. Never is it about that. It's about the God you are worshiping. Amen. So let's worship him, church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Be lifted up. Be lifted up, oh God.
super anointed, and uh, God is going to use it, already using it, and it's going to continue to use it for many years to come, and we thank you for being part of that. Uh, thank you for being faithful to God and your walk with him. Let's dismiss the children back to Sunday school, and we thank God for their lives. What God is raising up here is just amazing champions, both boys and girls that are on fire for God, and uh, they're growing in a real powerful expression of wisdom beyond their years and a lot of them uh, even keep their parents uh, keep their parents in line um, I remember my children as we were raising these three boys and a little girl um, we taught them early on uh, Matthew 537 and it says there uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no so when we say, we're going to take you to eat ice cream, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, because anything else is from the evil one. And so they used to quote us uh, and keep us in line as they were growing up. And, and this brings, um, this allows you not to be double-minded, that your yes not be no, that maybe, and God knows, and, and that, that, that instability and double-mindedness brings a confusing culture and, and, and place at home. When dad says yes and the mom says no, or when the mom says no and the dad says yes, that creates a real clouded and unclear existence and it fogs the mind. So we always say uh, husband and wife, mom and dad, get on the same page and tell your children the same thing. Because if you want to create the culture of hell in your home, then the confusion of dad saying no, and then mom says, no, you go ahead, I'll talk to dad later. Or when the mom says no, and the dad says, no, go ahead, because she doesn't see it right. Um, that causes confusion and chaos. Um, that's where the word schizophrenia comes from. Schizo means a divided schizo, and phrenia mind. Schizophrenia comes from persons that do not have the clarity of consistency. So all our pastors are traveling now. I think Pastor Jules and Claudia are up visiting their son, Jules Matthew, in medical school, so they went to be with him for a while. Pastor Richie and Angie are ministering this morning in Orlando, Florida. So they, they were invited to share, and Pastor Leanne and Omar are traveling through Spain now, taking a time of refreshing. So keep them in your prayers as they do this. And um, Pastor Oscar and Isabel are in Nicaragua uh, in the mission front keep them in your prayers also that they could finish what has been begun there in, in Nicaragua. It's a beautiful work. It's Spring of Life Nicaragua. And uh, they're raising up the same caliber, like they said, the DNA of this church continue to spread to nations and we're impacting people with the character of Christ. Let's pray for the word of God this morning. We welcome you to the house of God. Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather together as your people. Um, here we are, the people of God, gathered in the house of the Lord, in your temple, in your sanctuary, your place, uh, where your glory dwells, Lord. And we're here to hear your word, Lord, so speak to us, that we might receive a word that would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we not go astray, that there would be clarity in our lives as we understand your desire for us. And that we might pursue it at the levels that your word explains and reveals. 
that we not fall short of the glory of God and that by listening to your word that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit, Lord, a harvest that glorifies you, Lord, that we would be your people in the last days and that the fruitfulness in our lives and the prosperity and the success would all be glory to you, Lord, that you might use us uh, up until the day of your coming in your purpose, that we not be ignorant, that we not be unacquainted, uh, that we not lack in vision and understanding in these matters, that your word might be as sharp as a double-edged sword, that it would penetrate the deepest part of our being, Lord, and discern between the soul and the spirit, Lord, that we might receive your word. You have said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. You have told us to keep the Sabbath day holy, Lord, so we're here, and we have separated this day amongst many days so that we might hear your voice and live and prosper in all things. We pray your blessing will continue to bring forth that which you desire in our lives, in our family, in our marriages, Lord, and that our finances would be abundant to be able to continue to be faithful to you in all things. We glorify you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we, we come to God and we hear amazing things out of his word. A lot of the things are not consistent with our reality. Uh, holiness, that word holiness. When I came to the house of the Lord, I was a, a rubbunctious teenager. And um, holiness was nowhere in my roadmap. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what it was. Um, but it became a reality in my life, and that separation unto the work and to the purpose of God has been perfected over the last 39 years. Um, the, the other word that a lot of people struggle with is this thing that he says in Matthew 5:48. Uh, when Jesus said these words, that, that really much disqualifies us at the forefront. Uh, he says, therefore, you shall be perfect. This word perfection for a lot of us is the antithesis the total opposite of anything that would be our expression and he says that the measure of our perfection would be as your father in heaven is perfect so i'm 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 upset uh a lot of times you'll hear me from a point of uh, i'm loud i'm argumentative and i confront uh thoughts that are contrary to the thoughts of God at this point, because we are so identified with a fallen nature, we can't even perceive that God's reality in our life would be that we would be perfect. What does this mean? And what are you talking about? Uh, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. I want to touch upon this because I believe that if we understand the clarity of what God is calling us to, you're not going to settle for less. Uh, as I was watching this video on Restored, that's actually what is taking place. I look at all the people that are there in that video, and I could see how God has turned the tide in the lives of so many people that were not um, having any expression towards anything good. Uh, the, the, the reason why we're broken and there's a lot of tears and sorrow um, is because we're out of the expression of what God intended. Uh, I can't tell you the amount of wives that I have spoken to over the last 25 years in my legal career that I've told them, wouldn't you like a perfect husband? Uh, 
And all the women say, amen, Lord, please. Um, because that, that is what he's supposed to be to you. He's supposed to be a perfect husband. And, and there's not, um, a, a lot of people will justify and say, well, I'm not perfect because I'm human. No, um, you need to understand that the measure that which God has called you to is perfection. And it's an expression of that which a wife needs. Um, the same is true with this aspect of wife, the wisdom. Uh, the expression of a wife, and I think only Brandon was able to stand up here and says, if you guys don't know Vicky, you haven't seen perfection. And, and he, he declared it. I heard it. I don't know about you guys. When he preached here on a Wednesday night uh, two weeks ago, he says, perfect is my fiance." Uh, Vicky, and if you don't know that, then you need a psychiatrist. Um, but but that's 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 the expression of reality. And I want us here at our church to understand that you're not to fall below the standard of God, which is perfection. And so, in order for God to bring this about in our lives, since we're so identified with that which is not perfect. And a lot of people would, would, you know, they're more inclined to identify the areas of their fallen from perfection um, than what God has called us to. We've named this sermon, The God of Perfection, calling us to be perfect. And so I, I want to tell you how that is possible. He's given us Christ. And, and when he's given us Christ, he's, it's a gift that God in Christ gives us the wherewithal that we become perfect looking at Christ as the example of perfection of all things. And so wherever you're lacking the, uh, the ability to be a perfect husband, just start imitating Christ. You start, you start living and thinking and speaking as if Christ were your wife's husband, and you will nail it all the time. There's never going to be a time where you fall short of this expression. So there it is, when he calls us to be perfect, he is bringing us to that reality. Um, Psalm 138 verse 8 could be your prayer in this process towards perfection, because the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. What's that mean? Every area of your life that has fallen substandard, put it in the hands of God, and you're going to see that thing start moving in that direction, whatever it is. So instead of walking in the condemnation and in the the fallen countenance of, man, there I go, I messed up again or I'll never have a perfect marriage, or I'll never have uh, a, a perfect family, or I'll never be able to live a perfect life, or I'll never be able to worship and give God that which is perfect, is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And, and I could only say this after walking with the Lord for 38 years and looking at how he moves in that which concerns me, and I can pray also like David, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. 
The things in my life that are not at that standard yet, guess what? I have placed into the hands of God and, and shining brightly the, the splendor of his glory are the things that are taking place that concern my life because here we have a perfect God. Romans 12.2 says that you not be conformed to this world but that you be transformed that you might live in that good, acceptable, and almost perfect will of God. No, and perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfection in God's desire to the matters that concern you. So there goes, I have put out the old chart of having to, and this is from the day that they started saying who I was, they said, Joaquin, you're always average. You're always mediocre. You always fall short of high marks because you like to live in the land of ambivalence and irrelevance and you're, you're, just, you're just teetering between being an A student and an F student. You're a, you're a stale C. And you know what? Until I met Christ and I was introduced to Christ and there was never anything that Christ would do in my life that was not perfect. And so I begin to enjoy the expressions of his work in my life. And, and so now I, I cannot in any expression say that I'm going to be substandard or below reality. The high marks. Um, I was talking to uh, a family recently and I said, listen, if you go to the dentist, he tells you to brush three times a day and floss between every meal. And that is what the dentist will say to keep a perfect set of teeth. But people don't keep that standard. People might brush if they're lucky once a day. Um, they might floss once a month. Uh, they floss right before their cleaning appointment at the dentist. Right? They're like, let me go floss real quick because, listen to me, we fail miserably only because we have not, we don't know Christ. The way we should. Uh, after today, you can always pray that Psalm 138 verse 8, Lord's going to perfect that which concerns me. I'm going to be in the will of God, which is I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to make sure that I hit the bullseye, that I don't, have to, I don't have to guess or throw up the chance or try to find luck. I'm going for the best. And that's when we have to join Paul because he understood the calling also. That the calling is to perfection. You want to be a perfect son. I've, I've told that to many young people. You don't want to be, you don't want to, you don't want to not do good. And I, I tell the people, if you don't do good as a son, you're going to be a miserable husband to your wife. Because your parents are on top of you, calling you to not miss, not to fumble. And so as you practice as a son, you get into marriage and you champion marriage. And as you champion marriage, you actually champion family. You, you do good in these, these expressions. And so here, Philippians 3.12, Paul says, 
I haven't already hit that level. I haven't, not that I have already reached or that I am already perfect. I'm not there yet. But I'm going to press forward. I'm going to go in that direction. Um, I refuse to not have a perfect expression of God's goodness over my life. And in order to do that, um, to be able to press into Christ, we're going to see this with all more clarity. Um, There in the book of Hebrews, this is a, 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 a really complex scenario, but if I, if I have a couple of minutes of your time, um, you'll see how Hebrews 2 verse 10 says it, it was fitting, it was perfect for him, talking about Christ, it was, it was the right measure for him the one whom all things have come to exist and by whom all things are here that he might bring many children many sons to glory he made the captain of their salvation perfect christ being the perfect provision for you that you might come to that expression in existence as Christ is given to us Colossians 1:19 says that the father poured into Christ it pleased the father that Christ would be all that man would need he would dwell in the amplified says it real good it says the sum total of the essence of all of God's perfection The sum total, everything that God wanted, he put into Christ as perfection and then gave it to us so that we would not miss the mark. I want to tell you that in in many places this morning all over the world, this is one of the places where God is gathering those that he's perfecting. And so that that is our continual pursuit. and, and that is why there's a special grace in our lives. The measure of this thing called perfection is the expression of excellence in all things. So if you were um, horrible, uh, well, we were talking to a couple here. Um, one, of, one of the strong pulls that allows us not to be perfect is our inability to have self-control control ourselves and yet that is a fruit of the spirit that's in our lives so as soon as you get filled with christ and filled with his spirit and you're filled with everything which is the sum total of the essence of all of his perfection that is why there's a different standard that we keep um people want to bring that down um they they want to I remember Tony Evans, the preacher, says that his son wanted to dunk the basketball, so he took him to a schoolyard that the baskets were lowered from 10 feet to 8 feet, and now he was dunking it. 
And he says, Dad, look at me dunk. He goes, you're not dunking. You're lowering your standard. So call me when you're dunking at 10 feet. Quit lowering the standard because that's not excellence. And so this week I, I had the horrible, I, I have a real hard time with young people that, that do not keep God's standard. And this guy was trying to make his point and he goes, would you rather be right or in relationship? This is, this is a new, I'm going to call it mojo. The way people think, would you, like to, would you rather be right or in relationship? Listen to me. If you're wrong and in relationship, you got serious problems. So we're living in a culture where young people are coming up with stuff that don't make sense and everybody's conforming. I'd rather be in relationship than to be right. God has told us if we're not right, we won't be in relationship. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When you do things wrong, everything is wrong. These people are saying, I, I, I'll go ahead and be wrong just so that I could keep the relationship. Guess what? That's not biblical. That has no, no basis in truth. So we're living in really warped times because here the standard of God in everything is that we, just like Paul, have not attained it yet. But one thing we're doing is we're heading to that reality called, I must be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. I must think with the correct measure. I must speak at the level of perfection. And then you see that your life moves in that direction. And you will actually live what God intended for us to live because it was never intended for man to lose the glory of God. Here, um, Hebrews 6.1, he talks about all the levels of our development in the things of God. Therefore, let us pass. Let's get past the elementary stages of these teachings about Christ. We already know the ABCs. Let's advance towards maturity, which means perfection. The, the, all the bases of the element, elementary teachings of Christ are to put us in the process of perfection. One of the things I, I tell people all the time, if, if you don't learn your ABCs, you can't write a word. So it's important that you know the alphabet because that'll help you write words. And it's important you know words because it'll help you write sentences. And it's important that you would perfect your sentences because they allow you to be, go into the world of paragraphs. And if you get your paragraphs great, that qualifies you to be able to write a chapter. And if the chapters are good, then you could write a book. But if anywhere along the process you fall short of the elementary teachings, you will never see a book come from your life. So all the, and we're, we're really strong on that, the fundamentals, the foundations of our faith must be reality so that we could get at the levels. And, and I, I, I said this, I said, when you learn your numbers, you could add. When you could add, you learn how to subtract. When you subtract, you could multiply. You multiply, you could divide. You divide, you could go into algebra. Numbers and letters, that confused me in college. I said, I must have missed something in the process. How did the alphabet get into numbers? X 
plus y equals xy. But if you do not allow yourselves to be taken through the elementary, the basic teachings of Christ, then you have a serious problem at the mature level. And it says there, advancing unto, let us go on to perfection. That's what it actually says in the King James. The Amplified says we go on to maturity. But if you read the King James, it says, since we already are leaving the discussions of elementary principles of the things that concern Christ, let us go on to perfection. You're on the road to perfection in every expression where you allow Christ to lead you. If not, you are an illiterate in the matters of spirituality, and you can't understand faith. You, you can't understand this premise, it's better to give than to receive. It's better, like, like, like Mel said in her song, this is not about your trials, it's about your worship. And then people are like, you're crazy. No, because as you move into understanding the God who allowed you to go through trials, that's where James comes in, James chapter 1 verse 2 and he says, count it extreme joy. The, the highest level of joy is when you know, like Brandon said in his teaching, it's not about the consequences, it's about the trials. And the trials are those things that God puts you through to perfect you. The trials are about the things God puts you through. Adam? I was telling Adam that on Friday night. I said, all you're going through is to perfect you to come to the place to be useful to the kingdom of God. If you don't understand that, your trial is going to be a long trial. Because you haven't understood that God is asking of you to perfect your thoughts, to understand your ways, to, to enter into that perfect will of God. So that's the only way we can count it joy when we're going through trials, understanding that these trials are perfecting our character. And so all the ways of God in Psalm 1830, God, your way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. His path is perfect. His words are, how many, how many hate the fact you still don't talk right? So you can't communicate to have a perfect understanding, because that's the whole purpose. There's some people that talk only to argue, to bring discord, when talking was developed to find agreement. Because in God, in agreement, there's power. And in disagreement, there's diminishing debility and no perfection. So you say, Lord, make my words perfect, like your words are perfect. The Bible says his words are tried through fire seven times. And you just put it out there without ever figuring out what your words are going to produce. I tell some couples that are in marriages, be careful what you say because you push that first snowball and you have a snowball effect and you have an avalanche and you're like, I don't know why we're divorced. I know why because you speak stupid. You didn't speak the right words at the right time. So if you were perfect, 
James 3.2 says, This is the perfect man, the one who offendeth not by words. We all are going to fall. We all stumble in many things. But if anyone does not stumble in word, he is perfect. Pastor, you're telling me I could be perfect? Yes, shut your mouth. Quit letting just anything out of your mouth. You have the capacity to shut up until you go get the right words. Go seek counsel. Go get somebody who knows how to speak to be able. That's why I have a problem with speech. I have a speech impediment. Every time I open my mouth, somebody gets offended. So years ago, I told Pastor Kenny, Kenny, no one, you offend no one, Pastor Kenny. Everybody loves Pastor Kenny. I said, Pastor Kenny, you will be our spokesperson. I am going to kill somebody, but you're going to save their life. <laughs> so I will tell Pastor Kenny how I feel, what I think, what's from God. And then he, like Aaron, goes and speaks for Moses. But from today on, we're going to say, you know something? My God has a standard. His standard is perfection. And I will not lower that standard until he perfect that which concerns me. Let's give a hand to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because so many people are filled with excuses. I'm like, I know you could do perfection because you have a perfect excuse for every time you don't do what you're supposed to do. You have a knack for perfect excuses, but God is calling you to be perfect. Psalm 1830, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He shields all those who take refuge in him, all those who trust him. His ways are perfect. His word is perfect. It is proven. It is tried. He does not fail. Uh, Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect. His words, when, when he speaks, his commandments are perfect. They transform the soul. The, the soul is the, the emotional loins. Every time I talk to somebody about doing what God wants for them, they go, but I feel different. I, it, just, it just causes so much pain when I, when, no, God doesn't want you to walk in sensuality in your feelings. God wants to convert your soul so that you're walking in a Perfect aim towards the bullseye. His testimony is sure, making wise the simple, making uh, those people that are foolish have understanding. So uh, I'm, I'm really sad about the state of the affairs that concern our lives in modern day America where perfection is out the door and no one thinks that God created us to reach the measure, the stature, and the fullness of a perfect man. That, that you can, in everything that you're challenging to do, you can have a perfect overcoming to every challenge you face. As a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, that you never lower that standard for the rest of your life. You said, my God is a perfect God. He's calling me to perfection. And I have not attained to that yet. 
but I'm moving into his will, which is perfect for my life. I'm moving into his design. Uh, James 1.25 says, but if we look carefully into this book, into the perfect law of liberty, he who looks into these matters and continues in them, not being for a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We'll see every expression, and, and, and listen, um, that, that's why I no longer linger in the path of mediocrity in any direction. Everything God speaks into my life is so that I have a full and perfect return of that expression in my life in every regard. It's supernaturally powerful. We continue to consider these verses that the Lord has given us in his word, his perfect law of liberty. In this perfect law of liberty, if we abide in these things, we no longer are forgetful hearers, but we start moving in being the blessed and favored of God, living in this life of obedience. The basic idea is seen as something being made complete and full. Um, when I use this example, people says, well, we'll never be perfect. I could grab one of these little babies that are born in our church and I'll bring you before this baby and I'll say, this is a perfect child. And nobody could controvert that because at the level of his age and his development where he's at, he's where he needs to be. And we talk about the same thing with an orange or with a carrot or with a coffee bean. They are perfect expressions of what they're called to be. And we, his people, are going to hit the mark. James 1.4, he says, let endurance. Let these trials that you go through, let patient allow it to come to the perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Everything that's happening in your life is not to defeat you, to bring you down and diminish you, but to perfect and polish. So every trial comes to that reality. Every area of my life where there's friction, where there's animosity, where there's adversity, I know that it's perfecting me so that I become a greater expression of who God has called me to be, just like Christ. Here, Job 37, 16 says these words, don't you know that even in the design and the balance of the clouds, every work of him who is perfect in knowledge, everything that God has designed has as an expression of being perfect, and so I'm headed in that direction as the bible talks about this he says that that he tried to fulfill this purpose in the law that's the whole book of hebrews complex in itself basically the premise is hebrews 7:19 that the law made nothing perfect the law made nothing perfect so something better than the law had to come. Why? 
because his aim is perfection. In the Old Testament, he wasn't able to bring that reality with all the design of everything he has given us. Those things were just a shadow and a type of things to come. The law made nothing perfect. But now, there is the bringing of in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. The law wasn't able, the Old Testament could not produce perfection, but Christ can. In the New Testament, there is no possibility by which we are not going to live at that standard. Um, nothing else upon the earth will bring us to that place but Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says, He being the radiant splendor and brilliance of God, the express image of God's person, and he's able to bring us to that reality. Remember, I want you, I don't want to miss this, because he's such an amazing, the, the God we worship, perfect in all his ways, perfect in all his words, perfect spirit transforming us from glory to glory into his image. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we always read it here. As we behold unto him the bright splendor and radiant glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18, sorry. As we look unto him with unveiled faces, not hiding, not, not hypocritically. We're watching, beholding him as a reflection of a mirror, the glory of the Lord. As we look unto perfection, this is, this is my measure in all things. How would Christ do this? How would Christ speak this? How would he walk this out? What form would he take in the midst of this challenge? Being transformed as we look unto him into the same image from glory to glory through the spirit of the Lord. There's, there's something to be said about what God wants to do from this day forward in your life. There you're not to linger anymore in falling. That's a, it, it, people don't like it. Every time they read this book, they say, oh, that's if we were perfect men. Yes. That's the whole purpose of being a man so that you could walk in the express image and likeness of the one who created you. Not so you can be a continual mess. He hasn't called you to this. He hasn't called you to a lack of clarity in your thoughts, in your words, in your conduct. There's no greater expression that that whole thing of being transformed into his image from glory to glory as we behold him is a challenge for us to move in that direction. I love Hebrews 7.25, which clearly states that he is able, listen to this, his salvation is the expression to take you, say with me, to the uttermost. He's able to save to the uttermost, not to the guttermost. It's not a substandard. It's not an almost I'm going to reach. Well, I'm doing pretty good. So somebody said some years ago, um, I'm not tithing yet, but I'm giving like 8%. I'm almost there. God did not say for you to almost tithe. 
for you to almost be generous, for you to almost be patient. Man, uh, one man came up here and, and years ago, he says, Pastor, uh, I have something against you. I said, what, what do you have against me? It's not unusual. It's not unusual. Um, he says, if I go to church all year long and I miss one day, you say I'm not faithful. And man, I only just missed one day in 365 days of the year. Every time there's church, I'm there and I miss one day and then you say I'm not a faithful man. I said, you're not, and please don't teach your wife your definition of faithful. What's that mean? She could have been faithful to you the whole year in just one night. She went out with someone else, but you have to call her faithful because that's your definition. So God, you who created me to be like you, I put this matter into your hands to bring me to the level where not only I do good, but I'm a great expression and brilliant splendor of your radiance. Christ in us, the hope of glory there. He's able to save to the uttermost. This word, I love the uttermost. I lived so much in the gutter that when they called the utter, the highest level of those who come to God through him, since he always lives to pray for us. He's always saying, God, give them the full expression of success. What's that mean? A lot of us aren't acquainted with that. We can barely lift our heads above the water to breathe. We can never dream of being at the top of the mountain. But this is what God has done through Christ. This is where we're headed. This is our, a lot of the expressions of our lives. People cannot stand that we make this our profession the, the profession of the christian call is to be perfect because he's perfect and he's done this in his son christ able to save to the uttermost this has to be one of my favorite verses in the whole bible he doesn't save you a little bit he doesn't save you a lot of bit he saves you way through the roof to the uttermost expression this belongs to those who come to God through Jesus. This is our inheritance. So here in the, in the book of Hebrews, it, it talks about it a lot. It talks about how the law was not perfect. The priests were not perfect. But he was able to bring in the perfect priest, Hebrews 7, 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priest, why, why, why would the book of Hebrews constantly talk about if perfection were through, if perfection would come, if, this, if the law would make no one perfect, is because that was God's design. That was God's design, that you would be the perfect expression of everything for the glory of God. That you would be the perfect son. That you would be the perfect daughter. That you would be the perfect expression of what he created in the season that you're in. And quit licking your wounds to fall below standard. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priest, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priesthood should arise according to the order of Melchizedek? Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. The Levites were according to the order of Aaron. If that was perfect, a new order of priests need not come. But then Christ came and was 
considered and named high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Here, the Bible continues also to say, Romans 2.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in my sight. For the law... We're reading that? Romans 2.20. As an instructor of the foolish and the... That's not the, the verse here. Um, let's go to verse 21. I think it's 3.20. 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law, we only have knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, they all talk about this expression of God's desire. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, this perfection, this standard of being right at God's level is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe, for there's no difference. Verse 23, for people who have sinned have fallen short of the glory of God. God is calling us to the high standard of his expression. Uh, and and, and it, it changes everything. It's what they call a game changer. It's, it's what God begins to do in our lives. And it says in Romans 4 verse 5, To him who does not work, it's not according to our capacity. Not to him who does not work, but believes. On him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. He brings us into another measure of existence in every, every regard. Hebrews 9.9 9 says, It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the surface perfect. He continues to use this word perfect in regards to the conscience. So you, you can have a relationship with God where you have peace in your conscience coming to Christ. Not identifying with a substandard. I, I, you know, when you come to Christ, you're, you're so overwhelmed by salvation. You have to keep on talking about the fact that you were an adulterer, a liar, a thief, that you couldn't get it right, that you identify with being an alcoholic, a drug addict, because you used to curse, you used to smoke, you used to drink. But I don't see Christians coming over and saying, guess what? I'm free to be perfect for him. His work is a perfect work of deliverance. And the whole book of Hebrew continually points to the law as being ineffective and unable to bring us to perfection. But now in Christ... Now, I have a different standard. I'm not going to identify with being a liar, a cheater, a thiever. I'm, I'm a perfect husband. I was waiting for Yvette. You guys, come on now. There you go. It came. It came around. I was waiting for her. And my children have a perfect dad. Because he walks in the standard and the measure of Christ, not, not me, not what I think. I, I was telling that this weekend. I, I, I say it, there's not a week that goes by that I don't say, how come I have the children that I have? Because of Christ. He's been the, the measure of our, and the weight of our home. There's, there's nothing else. We don't talk about 
uh, you know, I, I want to be like Donald Trump or I want to be like God knows who. No, Christ. Christ allows me not to be hoarding wealth. That spirit is unclean. The, the measure of the abundance of provision that has come through my hands to other people, I'm, I'm talking about this is wealth. Wealth, the perfect expression of generosity has because, because of Christ. And so when men go around boasting about how much they have in their bank accounts, I say it's not about how much I have, it's how much I've given. How much I've bestowed my life. This thing about going to Mexico for the past 25 years. And people say, well, why are you wasting your money going there? Because it wasn't my money. It wasn't my time. Christ in his perfect expression of time and place and provision has allowed there to be an expression of glory. And it's glorious. And it's not coming from a, a man. It's coming from Christ giving me the proper measure. I, I remember as a lawyer, I could have worked seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And I said, no, you know, so I would close my law books and go home and be a husband and a father and spend time with my family. And so it got, God was perfect in every season of my life in an expression where I have no regrets. I don't have a, I should have, I would have, I could have. Because he was perfect in season and in time as I walked with him throughout the past 39 years. And that's what he's saying here in the book of Hebrews. He completely reverts back in Hebrews 9.9. He talks about um, to make him who performed the service perfect. It got, Hebrews 10.1, it says, for the law having a shadow the, the, this Old Testament model was only an expression of a shadow of good things to come. Not the very image of the things, because they could never, with the same sacrifice, which they offered continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. This is God in the Old Testament was trying to manufacture a way to produce the final product after they went through the process of worship to be perfect, but the Old Testament model wasn't sufficient. Are you telling me that the New Testament reality of things, shadow and type, is for you to live substandard? No way. That's not what I see in Hebrews. It says he, he gave us the full brilliance and splendor, the brilliant radiance of his splendor as the expression what we read in the Amplified, which the sum total of perfection, the attributes of God in Christ given to us through faith. What for? So that you can shine, baby. Hallelujah. So that you can shine bright and not have an excuse and, and not, not giving up hope either. Because I know while I'm not hitting the standard of perfection in different expressions of my life, I'm headed there. That's why I want to be perfect in my thoughts, perfect in my words, perfect in my relationships. I want them to be healthy. I want them to thrive. I want them to flourish. I want them to be fruitful. If I can stay the course, I don't know if we read already Hebrews 7.28, the law appoints men as high priests. These men are weak and sinful 
but the word of the oath of God, which came after the law, permanently appoints his son who has been made perfect forever, who has been perfected forever. What we have in Christ, we, we need to tap into the depth of his life, model and imitate so that we might see this reality coming to pass. Hebrews 11.40 says, Because God had us in mind and had something better for us, so that these men and women who walk in authentic faith would not be made perfect, that is complete in him apart from us. All the Old Testament men had to meet up with us so that they could experience what it says in Hebrews 12.23, to the general assembly of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God who is the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous man who have been made perfect. I hope that after today you don't walk in a substandard expression of what God desires for you. In Matthew 19, when the rich young ruler came up to Jesus, he says, keep the word of God. Matthew 19, verse 18. He said to Jesus, which commandments must I, I, I keep to, to come into eternity? And Jesus answered, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie, bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, I've kept all these things. What do I still lack? Verse 20. What do I still lack? What does Jesus tell him in verse 21? If you want to be, if you want to be perfect, you've kept these areas of the law. Now you have a problem with hanging on to stuff. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and follow me. So Christ continues to point us continually to perfection. He says, you've done all that? Now do this. If you want to be perfect, if you want to bring, come to the place of my design for your life. And I don't know about you, but I've already tasted this for the past 39 years, and I like what I taste. I like his measure of perfection in these matters. Acts 3.16, he said these words. It's by the name of Jesus. In his name, through faith in his name, he makes a man strong. This man whom you see and you know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect existence in the presence that you all witness. And this is my prayer for you. That you take Jesus as your pathway to perfection in all things. Let's stand this morning. And that you would have perfect attendance at church, perfect expression of worship, perfect at, your, at the, your job, at your work, in your relationships. That you quit, quit with all the whining. Quit with identifying with everything that is substandard. I remember there was a preacher and he was smoking a cigarette. And he turned around to me. He says, what? You don't like the fact that I smoke? And I, I just kept quiet. I didn't tell him anything. And he says to me, Charles, Sp Charles Spurgeon used to smoke, the prince of preachers. 
And then that's when I couldn't stop no more. I said, couldn't have you picked a better example? Why do you have to bring and relate to the people that are dropping the ball and fumbling? Why don't you have an expression of a hero that never fails, that never stumbles, never fails, and he's been given to us. And, and don't compare yourself with other people. Well, I come to church more than Johnny does or more than Betty. Listen, God is calling you to perfection in an expression in every, every area of your life. Let it be your prayer that God will perfect that which concerns you. Father, we thank you this morning. And whatever this means in the lives of those that have heard this message, Lord, I pray that you would take them to levels exceedingly abundantly and above all they think and pray for. That they would be perfect in their finances, perfect in their provision to their homes perfect in the administration and the stewardship of that which is in their hands, Lord. Cause it to multiply, to be fruitful, to advance the kingdom of God, to be a greater measure than what we have ever attained to. We've done good things. We've done great things, but you've called us to be perfect. So we pray, Lord, that this morning we can repent because we have fallen short of what you have done in Christ that our words, our communications, our relationships might be perfect, Lord, that they might flourish, that they might be fruitful, Lord, that they might be a refreshing, a replenishing. In Jesus' name, make us strong. Erase that tendency we have to identify with the gutter, Lord. You have come to bring us to the uttermost expression of salvation through the radiant splendor of your bright glory and that we not like Paul says have attained it but one thing we do Lord we press forward to the high prize a high mark the highest expression of excellence in every area of our life and we acknowledge today that when we have failed to follow you and believe you and have faith in you we fall short of your glory Lord Every area of our life where you, your light is not being a radiant splendor of brilliance, excellence, and righteousness is because we've walked in fear. We've walked in rebellion and disobedience. We pray, Father God, that in all these areas you would help us, Lord. You be our help, Lord, to do your will, which is good acceptable and perfect bless your people this week Lord in every area where we've dropped the ball in every area where we've allowed other people to stand up with greater measure Lord because of our inability and lack of faith I pray Father God that we would shine bright for your glory for it's in Jesus name we pray and all the people say amen amen and amen greet one another in the love of the Lord we will see you on Wednesday night for midweek Bible study, bring your Bibles and get into the Word of God. Amen.